Warriors, welcome to another episode of Chevrons, the podcast in the Enlisted Force. I'm Chief Master Sergeant Sean Sullivan. And I'm A1C Francesca Scredulis. Today we are excited to chat with Chief Master Sergeant Kevin Myers, the First Sergeant Functional Area Manager for the Air National Guard. We also have Staff Sergeant Michelle Princey, who is a member of the 101st Intelligence Group and uh, also a longtime friend of mine, somebody who uh, I was acquainted with for a very long time before she joined the Air National Guard. And I always like to have sub stories when we start these things. Um, and uh, Chief Myers and I go back to our days when we were both first sergeants and we had a really, really great mentor in Chief Kitz Miller, who we've also interviewed. And Michelle Princey was one, I think you were the oldest person we had at the 102nd to ever go through basic military training and to enter the Air Force because of your call for service, if I'm not mistaken. So with that said, we're going to give it up to you guys. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your military story, and what your current positions are. And I am going to start with Staff Sergeant Princey. Uh, thanks, sir. Uh, that's actually a pretty funny story. I did not know that I had that honor. So I guess thank you for that. Um, yeah, I got a late start on my military and law enforcement career. So I started uh, when I was 36 at the Mashpee PD. And then about a year later, I finally was uh, able to get into the Air Force. So I went to, I joined the Air Force in 2015 at 37. I went to BMT a year later at 38. Uh, I was fortunate enough to graduate second out of the 650 airmen there. I, I missed out by top top grad by half a point. Um, so I think I should have probably tried to find a few of my 341s that were floating around and submit those, but a little too late. Uh, I was the dorm chief there for my flight, 292. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, it was about a year and a half after that that I was able to go to tech school. Being a little older, obviously the background check took a little bit longer, so I got my clearance. And then about six or eight months later, I ended up at tech school. I got Airman of the Month, my second month there, August, I think, of 2017, and then came back, did my mess orders. I was fortunate enough to get selected to attend uh, ALS in residency, uh, so I attended that in November of 2019. I was really blessed to be chosen as the uh, Levito winner uh, for my class, when really probably like half the class could have earned that. Uh, and I just boarded for tech sergeants at the December drill and major Pimentel's Christmas card said he looks forward to promoting me in 2022. So sounds good. I guess we'll wait to see what happens on paper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm an Intel analyst. I did about six months of orders, uh, on the last mobe and I just transferred PDs in April to be back uh, at my hometown and hopefully I'll do well in the sergeants process there next year. Excellent. Chief Myers, same question, sir. Tell us about yourself, your military story, and what your current position is. Wow. Uh, so I don't know if my story can follow Sergeant Prince's story. Uh, you should let me go first, Chief Sullivan, uh, because my story does not compare at all to that, right? Uh, but I'll give it a shot at, and share my story. Uh, so I enlisted in the Mississippi Air National Guard uh, in, in 1998. Uh, I joined as a personnelist. Uh, didn't fare so well uh, in that career field. I guess it was more challenging than, than I thought it would be. Um, and uh, at that time when I got in, I was a sophomore in college. So I had the opportunity to 
uh, attend the University of Pittsburgh and go to graduate school. Um, so I then transferred to the university, I'm sorry, not the university, but uh, to the Pennsylvania Air National Guard um, in 2000 and cross-trained over into the aviation resource management career field. It was called something different then. It was the, the squadron operations uh uh, Sozum. And, and so switched over career fields and had a really good uh, supervisor slash trainer to help me really understand what what getting in the military was about. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, you know, getting into the military was a, a little bit of a, a, a I was a little bit of an odd duck um, because as a young college student, you know, you, you're enticed by all of these credit card companies that are on campus. Right. And so I got in literally because um, I got a credit card in my freshman year of college and ran the the limit over a thousand dollars and didn't have the courage to tell my parents about it. And so I had a friend who was in the Air National Guard and he is the reason why I got in the military because of that credit card. So uh, uh, unique reason to to join the military and 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 to still be in this long. But um Spent some time in the Pennsylvania Air National Guard and went back to the Mississippi Air National Guard in 2005, again, in the aviation resource management career field and uh, became a first sergeant in 2013 um, and uh, through some through some mentorship. Um, some senior uh, officers and senior NCOs uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I think you 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 might fare well at this opportunity. And so. Um, became a first sergeant uh, in 2013 and uh, spent uh, about 18 months as the wing first sergeant at the 172nd Airlift Wing there in Jackson, Mississippi. Um, actually took the diamond off, um, as we're all supposed to as diamond wearers, took the diamond off um, for literally eight months. And uh, during that eight-month process, the senior master sergeant first sergeant position at the Air National Guard Readiness Center um, became vacant. And I applied for that uh, opportunity and got selected in 2018. And uh, so I got to the readiness center in 2018 as a senior master sergeant, first sergeant. And then, just as you said, Chief Sullivan, uh, one of our mutual mentors, uh, Chief Master Sergeant, now retired, Lorraine Kitzmiller, was was the functional manager, uh, the ANG functional manager for first sergeants at that point in time. And she got selected to be a command chief out in California. And um, I interviewed for her position and got selected. And uh, I've been in the uh, first sergeant functional manager position slash command first sergeant position since uh, April 1st of 2020. And so here I am today having the opportunity to have a conversation with with you all. That's awesome. Um, I'm just going to just quickly for people who don't know, what is uh, first sergeant and what's first sergeant functional area manager? Yeah, so I, yeah, it's very odd. That's a great question because I don't consider myself a frontline first sergeant anymore. Um, as the command first sergeant, so there are uh, 14 or 15 diamond chiefs across the total force, Air Force. And so as the command first sergeant slash functional manager, I, over, uh, I oversee the training, utilization, development, deployments, uh, health, welfare, fair morale, of 881st sergeants in the uh, in the Air National Guard. Um, as a component, uh, we have the largest uh, number of first sergeants um, behind active duty only because um, when you combine all of the commands in active duty, such as ACC, uh, AFMC, 
uh, AMC, when you combine all of the, the, the match comms in active duty, they surpass us by, you know, maybe five or 600. Uh, but we have the largest number of, of first sergeants. And so I oversee um, uh, a lot of uh, training and development, like I said, uh, for all 880 first sergeants to include the additional duty first sergeants as well. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about you, Staff Sergeant Princey, but kind of when I was looking uh, you up, sir, Chief, um, I was kind of curious as far as overseeing the training. What do, and Chief Sullivan, you can speak to this too, what do chiefs and first sergeants go through to get those positions? Like, do they have to do like a boot camp thing? Do they get specific courses on how to handle, you know, like the mentorship and like conflict stuff? Like, what do they go through? Yeah, and, and Chief Sullivan being a former diamond where he can definitely chime in and, and fill in the gaps where I may miss some points. But, you know, it, start, it all starts with uh, the process of, of grooming and developing, you know, our NCOs, right? So, you know, hopefully uh, Sergeant Princey will maybe consider being a first sergeant one day as we're having this conversation about first sergeants, right? Because it, it literally starts at, at that level. Uh, staff sergeant, you know, senior airman, staff sergeant, tech sergeant, when we should be developing that next level, that next wave or generation of first sergeant. So um, it really starts with that mentoring process way before our, you know, potential tech sergeants who are promotable master sergeants get to the point where they're either being encouraged um, or pushed or motivated or volunteering to become a first sergeant. And, and once they go through that selection process, uh, you know, they they attend First Sergeant Academy, which is at Gunner uh, Air Force Base there in Montgomery, Alabama, to go through that formal uh, training and development portion of what they are now going to be faced with uh, as First Sergeants back in their squadrons, back in their wings and or states. Uh, so it really starts there, to be honest with you, way before someone is selected bef uh, to become a first sergeant or is a candidate. It starts at that staff sergeant, tech sergeant level uh, for us to begin to groom and develop uh, those individuals to be potential candidates and or applicants for to, to, to wear the diamond. And that's absolutely the key is it comes down to having that that mentorship in an airman's early developmental period. Because exactly what a first sergeant is and what a first sergeant can be is the sky's the limit. Um, and I know that Chief Myers and I both floating around the 90 have seen first sergeants utilized in a multitude of ways. Some good, some bad, uh, mostly good. Um, but the whole role of the first sergeant is it's a key leadership position. And a first sergeant is a force multiplier. So it's, in, it's important for these frontline supervisors to turn around and identify their airmen young and early and provide them with incentive and opportunity to develop themselves in positions like an additional duty first sergeant are ideal for that as a stepping stone and in getting into being a diamond wearing first sergeant. Uh, for those of you out there uh, who want to check my bio, I've had a very, very diverse military career. Uh, three branches of the service, enlisted officer, enlisted, helicopter pilot, you know, sniper, this, that, the other thing, it's all out there. Uh, kind of like reads like a catalog of jobs in the military. But the, the best job I have ever had in my entire military career, except being the state command chief, of course, was being a first sergeant. It was the most rewarding, selfless thing I did to give back to the military and to my airmen. And I loved Every second of it.
And as much as I enjoy my new position, there are days where I really miss that diamond. So, and this is going to bring us to that mentorship thing. And I want to start with you, uh, Cesar and Princey. What are your thoughts on mentorship and what has it meant to you throughout your military and your civilian career? Uh, If I could, before I answer that, I was just going to piggyback on what you said about taking off the diamond. I would argue to say that people who make the best first sergeants never really take it off. You know, they, they always sort of had it on. You can pick them out in the, the units before they actually um, rise up to that specific position. But it's sort of something that you can see in them, even when they first get into the unit, whether they're helping out and um, encouraging other people within their flights. Uh, I'm part of the F flight, which now just became E flight. And, you know, everybody in our unit and in our flight is always helping each other, um, you know, keep up with their readiness and, you know, help what they need to do to get promoted and things like that. So uh, I think it's just sort of something that's, you know, kind of ingrained in you and you're just doing it all the time, whether or not you're actually wearing um, the, the star. So, uh, well mentor- yeah. So mentorship for me, I mean, I've been really fortunate enough. I know it's sort of biased to have you on the, the call and, and me on the call with you, but, uh, you know, you've been a mentor to me since day one. And I've had other mentors uh, in the police department as well as the Air Force and then just uh, life in general. And it's sort of one of those things that's like, uh, you know, it just sort of happens and evolves along the way. Um, It's sort of like uh, Simon Sinek will say, like, you don't just walk up to somebody and ask them to be your friend. Right. Because that's weird. So you don't just like walk up to somebody and ask them, will you mentor me? Uh, it's sort of something that's built along the way and it becomes sort of mutually beneficial because like whenever I had questions for you, uh, Chief Sullivan, you're always there to like answer them. You always took my call. You always answered my text. Uh, you always had, you know, good answers, whether or not I really wanted to hear them or not. And it grew through that way. And then you've introduced me to other people along the way who have also become mentors to me as well. So Um, one, I would just say that it's something that has to kind of happen naturally. Uh, it evolves along the way. And I would say like the biggest thing is it's mutually beneficial for both people, you know, that as they continue, they introduce, uh, the mentor, the mentee to other people that will also help them in their careers, um, along the way. That was well said. And before I flip this over to, uh, Chief Myers, I just want to add one caveat onto that for, a really good mentor mentee relationship does work both ways because all three of you as individuals, Airman Skridoulis, Staff Sergeant Princey and Chief Myers, I have learned from all three of you. Uh, So mentorship is relationship and for everything that you put out, you get something back in return. Um, So uh, I appreciate your comments. uh, You know, Staff Sergeant Princey, you, you didn't have to go down that rabbit hole, but I do appreciate it. But I want you to know that I got as much uh, from you as you've probably gotten from me. So, Chief Myers, same question. Uh, what are your thoughts on it and what has it meant to you throughout your military career? Yeah, I'll be honest with you as we're having this conversation. Uh, for me, mentorship has been the greatest difference in my entire military career. Um, you know, getting in you know, for the initial reasons that I did. Right. Because I got a credit card in college. 
didn't have the courage to ask my parents for a thousand dollars to help me pay it off. And so I joined the military because I had a friend. Right. <clears throat> so just having that friend to say, and he really didn't know either. Uh, but I, I will tell you, it, it's made the difference um, because I initially only wanted to do six years and out. Right. Give me my GI bill, give me my drill check and, you know, I'll pay this credit card off and I'm done. However, uh, there were people who crossed my path very early on in my career uh, specifically, and I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Master Sergeant Retired Mayumi Pesta. And, and she became my supervisor after I left uh, the Mississippi Air National Guard the first time and, and moved to Pennsylvania. But I wasn't a good airman, uh, to be honest with you. And as we're having this conversation, uh, my sole focus was college, right? Um, college student, trying to, you know, academics and and be well prepared for that. And so I was having a lot of challenges, um, specifically when I moved to Pennsylvania, to, to be a productive airman, to come in and add value on drill weekends. And so I, I'll tell you, she and she stood about, you know, five feet, right? If that, maybe maybe 4'11. Um, but man, she held me accountable every drill, right? Um, I couldn't, when I got there, I couldn't even remember my password to log in every drill, right? Every 30 days. That's how um, uh, unaware, incompetent I was and, and what my role and um, responsibilities and how I played a part in, in that air refueling wings mission, right? And so even just her holding me accountable, you know, between drills and every time I showed up, Hey, Kevin, what's your login? Hey, Kevin, here's what I need you to do. Here's what we're going to work on this week. And that literally was the catapult for me, changing my thought perspective of I'm not just showing up on drill weekend to, to get a paycheck um, and get my GI Bill deposited you know, in my account every every month that I'm, I'm a full time student. But she literally reshaped my thought process simply by holding me accountable every drill that I showed up, that we were going to accomplish something to increase my knowledge, to enhance my skills, uh, to, to make me a better airman than I than I than what I was when I showed up. And then it just grew from there, right? And so now 20, you know, next month will be 24 uh, years in, in the military for me. You know, and over that 24 years, the, the different individuals that have now crossed my path uh, to help me, pour into me, plant in me, encourage me. Um, but it literally started with uh, Master Sergeant Mayumi Pesta, um, who, you know, held me accountable and mentored me as a young senior airman uh, to get to where this point uh, I am today. That's amazing. I really appreciate uh, the openness and willingness to uh, to share that. Just like even the fact that you you joined um, because of the the credit card thing. Because uh, sometimes, and my biggest fear when we started this program was that some of the bigger chiefs and guests that we have would not be willing to be like human. You know, like they just want to say all the right stuff. So like you know, like I was a bad airman. I was just in it for college. I mean, that's cool. I relate to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So thank you for that. Uh, S Staff Sergeant Princey, um, you really sounded like you have um, had first sergeants um, and mentors in your life. Uh, can you tell me, is there any particular experience or something good or bad that they've helped you or they've made you like, that's not how I want to do things, you know? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I've been really spoiled because my first shirts are um, uh, Gail, who just got an award for being basically like the best first shirt ever. Uh, <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now we have uh, Lindsay and Fournier, and those guys are awesome. And and like I said earlier, I mean, it just suits them. They've been sort of acting in those capacities as airmen and leaders within their units prior to getting uh, appointed to those positions. And when they get selected to be there, you're kind of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that person should be there. They're always helping and, and looking out for other people. Um, I've just been fortunate enough, you know, to, uh, you know, with my mentors, uh, I was in a police department that really didn't suit me and my personality. Uh, and so it's a tough decision to, you know, then say, okay, I'm going to leave this place, you know, like the devil that, you know, right. Is better than the devil. You don't and pick up after seven years and go to a new department and become a rookie in that department, essentially low man on the totem pole. And they don't really care what you did anywhere else. Uh, and so uh, while I was on orders last year, I got the opportunity to apply to my hometown PD and uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected and they graciously let me continue uh, my military orders and then held the position for me until I, I completed those. So in April of this year, I started at a new PD, uh, new town, definitely different uh, challenges of the types of police work that we do in that town. And so I just leaned on, you know, mentors I have within the police community for advice as to like, you know, how do you go in humbly, even though you know you have all of this experience and you want to help everybody uh, in the depart the new department, um, you know, with that knowledge? But how do you go in and, and do that, like still as a team member without, you know, uh, rocking the boat, so to speak? So I've been leaning on my law enforcement uh, mentors a lot in the past, like six months to a year, to kind of uh, when I get frustrated kind of like resettle me and bring me back. And I think uh, Chief Myers really pointed on a, an important topic of like accountability, um, you know, especially when you're, let's say, just even doing like 75 hard or some of these other things. One of the biggest things of, you know, keeping you on track is having other people in the community hold you accountable uh, every day to make sure that you're doing those things. And that kind of circles back to the mentorship of like, well, are you doing what we talked about, you know, last week? Did you try what I asked you to try, uh, you know, in our last conversation and, and things like that? And then I try to then impart the knowledge that I've learned in the Air Force or in the PDs upon new people coming in and kind of use the excuse of like, well, my mentor, you know, told me this or my mentor, you know, suggested that I do this and I didn't want to do it then either, but it's really been helpful, you know, down the line. So thanks. I was wondering, is it, I mean, this is kind of like a, a no-brainer question, but like, is it, is it difficult? Is it a struggle to be a mentor? Not that I've never been a mentor in my life, but I don't feel like I have nearly the experience that you guys have. I, I don't know, like, you don't want to say the I wrong thing to them and like, screw up their life or something. <laughs> I don't think uh, you might be putting too much pressure on it. It just sort of happens naturally. You know, when you're a leader, people are going to naturally follow you anyway. And, you know, like Chief Meyer said, we don't always make the right decisions. I mean, I made a pretty poor decision a few years ago uh, that could have cost me my law enforcement career. 
and really just like, you know, made a conscious effort to set, you know, to lean on my mentors that didn't let me skate around, you know, that incident at all, take ownership of it and then keep going. And I think when you're, if you want to be a mentor, it's more of just like sort of being available for the other person. You know, like I said earlier, you know, uh, Chief Sullivan always answer my calls, return my texts, made time for me. And, and that's really what it kind of boils down to is like being there for the other person. And then the mentorship evolves into a bigger thing through that relationship. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add to what Sergeant Princey just add. <clears throat> you know, when you say, um, you know, you feel like you may not have as much experience as as us in life, and and life is a teacher, right? You cannot substitute experiences, life experiences. You you can't substitute those things for anything academically, right? Whether it's you know PhD, master's, like you, but life is the greatest teacher, you know, first and foremost. But you mentor your fellow airmen, right? By simply providing them with information and knowledge that they may not have. Something as simple as, I wish someone had mentored me, you know, my first uh, my first term about the TSP program, right? Yeah. No one, no one did it. I, I didn't have a mentor. You know, all of these uh, more seasoned, older airmen that were tech sergeants, master sergeants, no one said to me, hey, Kevin, regardless of how much or how important you think your drill check to you is as a college student, put 10% of it in TSP now, right? And so I, I went my, you know, probably first six years of not investing in TSP until, again, until I had someone like Master Sergeant Pesta come into my path to now introduce and expose me to those things. So yes, life is a great teacher for you to be a mentor to someone else. However, it, it is not, there are no defined barriers regardless when it comes to mentoring, because sometimes it's just information sharing or providing knowledge and, and uh, information. So mentoring, it, it has no limits. Um, and so uh, life experience will teach you and allow you to share, just like I share my story about why I actually got in. Uh, at the same time, it, it, it crosses all ranks. It crosses years of service. It crosses time and grade. Uh, mentoring is mentoring. Anybody well, can... Oh, like, go uh, ahead. Oh, uh, calm seas don't make, you know, an experienced captain, right? So, I mean, you learn from your mistakes. My grandfather always said, like, you know, all the mistakes that you have in your life, they've led you to where you are now. So for me, my um, career went very slowly. Like I said, it took a year before I went to BMT, a year and a half before I got to tech school, another six months before I did my mess days. So that like initial three or four years went really slowly, but that's not even a mistake, right? But it's just the way the military goes. But that gave me the opportunity now where new, new guys come in underneath me I can understand their frustrations and struggles with the clearance coming in slow. I can help them uh, because I didn't know, like didn't do DTS properly the first time. Now I can help somebody else with DTS. So it's not as maybe big as you're projecting it to be, uh, you know, on, on the greater scale. It's the little things that add up to the overall relationship and then, you know, helping them along the way. 
Yeah, it comes down to a basic tenet of airmanship. And one is one of our most basic aspects of being a good airman uh, is being a good wingman. And I think that's a lot of what being a good mentor is too, is never letting anybody fly alone. Even, even people you don't know uh, or have that, that deep invested relationship with, you know, can, you can provide them with some guidance and some mentoring and vice versa. And uh, uh, Airman Skadoulis, you said that you don't know what kind of a mentor you are. How many times have I been in the PA office the last year, year and a half, and you have come up with something or said something to me and I've gone, oh, wow, that's freaking great. That is awesome. I mean, it's just, it, it blows my mind how much I've learned from you. Uh, and, and that's mentorship in, in, in its essence. I appreciate you so much because of what you've taught me. And it, it just builds that bond. And that's, that's the bond that we as warriors have with each other. Uh, one question I've wanted to ask uh, for a while in a lot of these episodes is I wanted to ask both guests uh, was what was the worth of staying in the military over the years. But unfortunately, our enlisted person that we've usually had has been a first-term uh, first airman, and they haven't really been up on that challenge. But I have two people here, one who is now in their second term as an airman, you, Sergeant Princey, and Chief Myers, you, know, you with 20-plus years in, this, in service. And I want to bring this up because I remember having conversations with you, uh, Sergeant Princey, where you were contemplating whether you even wanted to stay in for a second term. And I want to know how, how has that changed for you over the last couple of years? What drove you to reenlist and how is that changing you? How, what is the value of having stayed in? So uh, starting with you, uh, Staff Sergeant Princey. Um, initially, I sort of got into the military to uh, try and get like the quote unquote vet status uh, to get into federal law enforcement. So I aged <clears throat> out of that uh, possibility pretty quickly. And so then, you know, like I sort of like used the Air Force to get a free master's degree, which then got me a raise at my first PD and, you know, still got me a pretty good raise um, at my second PD. Uh, so, you know, after my first enlistment, my sort of goals, I guess, for that enlistment, I accomplished them. I got to the rank that I wanted to get by my first enlistment. Uh, and, uh, well, actually, I think tech sergeant was originally my, or my goal for the first enlistment. However, because everything got delayed uh, initially, that got pushed out a little bit. But, you know, <clears throat> I think what really changed my mind was that um, I went on orders October 1 to April 1 of last year into this year. And just my experience of working with the, in the DSO and with Mass Sergeant Chase and the missions that we do at, at our unit, um, I really like that aspect. And I really love my new leadership within um, F-Flight and E-Flight and F-Flight for Life, uh, we basically call it at this point. Um, it's just so positive and it's it for me my uh first pd was not a positive experience for me right so the air force gave me this sort of like reprieve from that and then coming on orders during those six months you know where i got to experience that every day now it was a little different because we we're on like covid work schedules and things like that but um the overall environment where uh 
you know, when I was working, people of much higher rank than me, you know, colonels, lieutenant colonels, majors, captains, they're always at my desk. And every time they would leave, the the uh, crew would be like, don't you get nervous, you know, with all these higher ups always at your desk? And I'm like, I don't think so, because we're all just working to the same mission. Like our goal is all the same. And they, I'd like to think, trust that I'm, you know, doing my job correctly, that then influences the overall um, mission for, for our group. And so I just really thrived in that environment. And I really felt like um, the people that we have at the 102nd is, I guess, what would I would say, like, kept me around for another enlistment. So I signed up for another six uh, in April of this year. So and it won't be your last. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Already proclaiming it. Yeah, for me, you know, as I, I listen to Sergeant Princey and it, it allows my thoughts to turn in my head, <clears throat> I'll be honest, uh, the thing that has kept me in the military, you know, next month, 20, 24 years, way past what I initially intended, literally has been mentorship. And the reason why I say mentorship is because when I initially got in, as, as many of us do, not all, but many, many of us get in without a sense of purpose, right? Without a sense of why we are really doing this, right? We all get in for our own personal or, you know, reasons or we're legacy. And I I didn't have that, right? I didn't have a long lineage or history of military members in my family. And so for me, as I reflect in this conversation, mentorship has been the one, um, one of the driving factors that has allowed my purpose um, to be born, number one, and then number two, for it to evolve over 24 years, because my purpose hasn't stayed the same. Um, Before I became a first sergeant, I was just trying to be the best NCO I could be, right, and learn the job of aviation resource management and becoming the NCOIC of the squadron uh, arms office. And then after that, someone saying to me, hey, you you would probably do really well as a first sergeant and you should consider applying, right? So the individuals that have come through my path um, who have mentored me have been, you know, part of the driving factor to help me evolve my purpose throughout my career. Because what my purpose is now as a chief master sergeant, the command first sergeant of the Air National Guard isn't the same when I was the senior master sergeant, first sergeant of the Air National Guard Readiness Center, or when I was the wing first sergeant at the 172nd Airlift Wing. So mentorship is, is, is in my opinion, that important because when you have individuals or groups of people who mentor you, whether they're the same rank, um, older, officer, or enlisted, when those individuals plant and help you see things that you couldn't see yourself, then that helps your purpose to evolve. And so for me, it's been you know part of the catalyst that has kept me in for 20, almost 24 years is because they've helped me understand that my purpose evolves and it, it is continuously growing and changing as opportunities present themselves to me to now go explore and potentially lead in different capacities of our Air National Guard and Air Force. So mentorship is critically important to help us uh, understand what our purpose is and how that purpose evolves throughout our career. And as we tie in, uh, what we've been talking about, you know, mentorship, we're looking ahead in the Air Force and we have new airman leadership qualities that are coming down, new uh, EPR systems, and a new emphasis that was placed on 
uh, enlisted development. And when you take it all in its context, the biggest selling point that I can give to uh, supervisors at all levels as we look at these changing com- changes come about is it's really not a change of any type of, at all. We're still conducting business the way we are do- we've always done business. We are just more, uh, we are just articulating uh, aspects of key importance and just different areas that we can focus on to mentor others and to be mentored in to meet the vision of the Air Force of the 21st century moving forward. So we can accelerate change and win and move forward. So one of the biggest things, uh, one of the biggest key components in, in, at least as I see it, in moving forward with a successful uh, Air Force of the future is the topic that we've been talking about all day today, being a mentor, mentoring others, and in being able to be mentored. I think that is the key to our success. I just had one more question for both of you, and that's, uh, what are you working on now? Give me one project or one thing that you are working on now, uh, either in the military or uh, uh, Staff Sergeant Prince, in your case, uh, in the police department, uh, that you're working on now, either uh, self-development or to develop others. So one of the things that I've been really focusing on in my new job is uh, the community development and engagement. Uh, it wasn't as uh, accepted in my in my old PD. The community didn't really uh, enjoy our presence, I would say, at different events. Um, <clears throat> whereas the community that I'm in now, it's my hometown, so I'm more familiar with it. Uh, but also it, they're more um, accepting and sort of appreciative of the things that we do. So uh, I've been trying to, you know, get on my cruiser and play like catch with the kids. <clears throat> I keep meeting my new like little friends, I call them uh, in town. And I started like a birthday list of uh, when their birthdays are and swinging by the house with like a $5 gift card to CVS and some candy or something. Uh and just like stopping by their house after school to hang out and play. Because when I grew up, I saw the law enforcement in our community as like a positive thing. And I want to have that same sort of effect on the kids now. So just like um, uh, I start took over their Facebook page for the PD. So wanting to have like more positive invi- um, interaction with the community there. And then just with the kids. So they see me as Officer Michelle or even just Michelle. Uh, and they know that if anything happens, they always have somebody that's sort of on their side to reach out to. Excellent. What about you, Chief? What's on the hopper? Yeah, the the one big thing since I've been in this position and having the opportunity to work in the Office of the Command Chief, shoulder to shoulder with him, is how do we continue to grow our first sergeants across the 90 wings and 54 states, territories in the District of Columbia Columbia into strategic advisors? Uh, across many of our wings and, and our Air National Guard enterprise, we still have some old school thoughts and or perspectives about what a first sergeant's role is or is not. And so as, as we get to travel uh, with the command chief of the Air National Guard, the ability to plant seeds in first sergeants, the ability to plant seeds in chiefs and or senior enlisted leaders throughout wings um, has given me the ability and the platform to help reach reshape that thought process and perspective. 
Chief Sullivan, you were first sergeant and, you know, you and I would go to national worldwide first sergeant conferences, workshops, trainings, and some of the the, the stories or um, some, yeah, some of the stories we would hear from other first sergeants about some of the challenges that they were either having or faced with um, by not being included in their triad or their commanders and or chiefs or superintendents not trusting them. But when you start looking at uh, national level documents, whether it's from uh, Secretary of Defense Austin or uh, General C.Q. Brown, the chief of staff of the Air Force or Chief Bass and so so on and so forth down the line to you know, General Hokuson at, uh, the chief of the, as the chief of the National Guard Bureau. When you start looking at what their goals, visions um, are for our, our Air Force, Space Force, National Guard, we have to understand specifically the role of first sergeants play in assisting, aiding, implementing, utilizing, executing. The role that a first sergeant plays is critically and vitally important to that. So my my biggest challenge uh, over this time that I've been in this position is uh, reshaping thought processes and, and growing the level of understanding and or knowledge that our first sergeants are strategic advisors within the units, organizations that they serve in, and that they are there to, uh, as a part of that triad, to bring value and to uh, counsel that commander and that chief on any and everything uh, that is going on in that unit. So just continuing that that drive and that mission to, to grow our first sergeants into strategic advisors within our Air Force. I agree with you on that, uh, Chief. You know, we did see some things, and the one uh, one thing I want to put out to all leaders at the highest level that may be listening to this podcast is this. Your people will only consider something of value and importance if you make it something of value and importance. And that's the thing that changed the 102nd around uh, to a position where the first sergeant was elevated to such a position of importance uh, through our leadership over the last 15 years that when we have a vacancy for a first sergeant, it's not uncommon for us to get eight, nine, 10 applicants. And it's not like, you know, eight, nine or 10 people that are just like, you know, hey, yeah, you know, I want a master's stripe. I'm a, I'm a way out the door as a consolation prize. No, these are mentored, developed leaders that that it's it's painstakingly agonizing process uh, trying to uh, decide, you know, who who is. Uh, uh, going to be recommended or highly recommended to a commander for interviews. And that's how we do it. We highly recommend. And a commander at times has interviewed six applicants trying to find the right one. Uh, so for all those leaders out there at the highest levels, um, if you place the value on this position, this force multiplying strategic advising position, it will grow. So thanks, Chief. Again, I, you know, near and dear to my heart for sergeanting. Aaron Skadoulis, did you have anything else you wanted to ask? No, that was it. I was just going to ask for last thoughts from our wonderful guests. Uh, Staff Sergeant Princey, any last thoughts for our listeners? My last thought is uh, for you, actually, when you were worried about like being a mentor, I would argue like this whole podcast that you and Chief Sullivan started is mentoring people. You might not even know it, but just the content that you guys are putting out and making available to our airmen uh, that might not... Uh, otherwise think they they have an outlet or wonder if they're alone in these things that they're thinking i mean putting this out and having this as um something that people can turn to is awesome so i appreciate you guys and i appreciate your time thank you 
Uh, Chief Myers? Yeah, first and foremost, thank you for the invitation uh, to have this opportunity to have a conversation and uh, to share my thoughts and perspective. Uh, you all are making a dynamic duo. Um, on my Spotify, I have the notification turned on when a new episode comes out. So I know when a new episode drops because it gives me a little notification and it stays green until I open my Spotify app. And so I do I do go in and listen uh, to the different guests that you all have and the different conversations that you all are putting out in the stratosphere for our Air National Guard Airmen and even Total Force. Uh, so thank you all for that. I really, really appreciate it. And it has been uh, uh, an honor to have this conversation and, and humbling. And so here's what I'll leave you, you all with and the audience as well. Uh, mentorship is, is vitally important and, and we must be deliberate um, in order to uh, execute and answer the, the action items of Accelerate Change or Lose that, that General CQ Brown has put out. And, and even the vision and the mission of the tags of all of our you know, states, territories in the District of Columbia, the vision that they have for their airmen, um, and the A-tags as well. But two points I'll leave um, on the topic of mentorship. I think mentorship starts with two things. And in order for anyone to be successful at mentoring, I think these two are a must. Uh, it starts with trust. Um, do your airmen trust you, first and foremost, to either give them advice, uh, to hear their story, for them to be vulnerable with you, um, and, and pour into their lives, number one. Number two, once they trust you, then they will give you permission, permission to pour into them, permission to plant in them, permission to give them advice, uh, permission to hold them accountable, permission to critique them, permission to counsel them. So those two things go hand in hand, in my opinion, um, in order for us to be uh, mentors uh, to be deliberate mentors of, of airmen that are either above us, uh, equal to us, or uh, below us in, in rank and experience and things like that. Uh, so I hope if there's anything that I can leave and plant with anyone, um, if, you are, if you are mentoring others, uh, you have to in, ensure that you have those two things, in my opinion, and, and trust uh, first, and then once you have that airman's trust, they will give you permission to, to, to pour into their lives. Thank you very much for both of your perspectives on uh, everything that we talked about. I appreciate you both so much, and uh, and thank you again for being guests. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate you all here um, and taking the time, and everybody listening, uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you.